much because my my CEO, my boss, has a marketing <laughs> background. Completely wrong, <laughs> my um, <laughs> similar person at Planoly. Hello and welcome to episode 126 of Rockstar CMO FM. The M is marketing and the F is the role you decide. As you're probably wondering, does the world need another epic marketing podcast? I'm your host, Ian Truscott. I'm no rockstar, but I've picked up a thing or two over the last 20 years on my tour from techie to CMO and trusted advisor. And each week I chat to the true rockstars, my fabulous guests and chums, and share with you some marketing street knowledge that I hope will inspire your inner rockstar. Come say hello. We are Rockstar CMO on Twitter and LinkedIn and proud members of the Marketing Podcast Network. This episode was recorded on Friday the 5th of August 2022. Thanks for joining us. Hope you've had a good week and you are well, safe and staying as sane as you feel you need to be. On this week's episode, Jeff Clark is back in the marketing studio. I go backstage with CEO of both Loomly and Sendable, Caitlin Sorensen, and we wind down the week in the Rockstar CMO virtual bar with Robert Rose for a cocktail and a marketing thought. But first, we need to pay the bar tab. I'll be back in a moment. We'll be right back. We'll be right back. You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy. Tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. <laughs> On to our first segment, The Marketing Studio with Jeff Clark. Jeff is a sought-after advisor, an experienced marketing leader and former Forrester Serious Decisions Research Director. This week, we talk about talent. Welcome back, Jeff, to the Rockstar CMO Studio with Jeff Clark. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, at least I know I'm in the right place. <laughs> <laughs> Your name is yeah, if you, if you said the studio friend. with Robert Rose, I would be like, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm in the wrong. He's I'm down, in the wrong studio. He, he's downstairs in the bar. <laughs> awesome. Well, we'll go say hi when we're done. How are you, mate? Good. All right. Good. Jolly. Good. And of course, we've got to start with the weather. How Ooh, is the weather? In, it is. It's hot. It is uh, in our little happy valley. I think we're going to get up to 97, 98 degrees Fahrenheit. Yes. And uh, you can do the conversions into uh, yes. Celsius if, if you like for the audience, yeah. but it's uh, it's just hot. Hot. And it's, <laughs> and it's, and it's very humid, which certainly yeah. doesn't help. Yes. And the humid northeast summer. Absolutely. Ooh. Yeah. So... We're having similar. We're a little cooler, but uh, we're having one of those grey, humid days that uh, is quite oppressive, and you're kind of waiting for the storm. But we've got no storms coming, so I don't know. Anyway, we're not just here to talk about the weather. We've provided an important public service there. <laughs> um, <laughs> but today, uh, I understand uh, we are going to be talking about marketing education. Yes. And, uh, 
you've been looking at a study by the World Federation of Advertisers, the WFA. Yeah. And a, and a study sponsored by MediaSense, who have no affiliation with the show. <laughs> yes, we're doing this purely as a public service. We're, we, we don't have an <laughs> axe to grind or uh, any, anything to sell right now. Right now, at least. <laughs> Not right now, yeah. And, and they found that there is a crisis in marketing talent. So you read through this. What say you, Jeff? Well, I was, you know, um, I don't know. I was, I was certainly, uh, my eyes lit up when I saw this worst ever crisis. I'm like, well, geez, you know. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and, but it was interesting. And, and they, you know, it was a pretty broad ranged survey, you know, serving, you know, People that advertise agencies, ad tech companies, mm-hmm. media, blah. so it 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 was covering the whole the whole gamut of not just people who are like in positions like we had where we're or, or you have where we're actually yeah. marketing stuff, but the yeah. all the agencies and and the uh, media that were that we're using, and it just like you know it's like two thirds believe that there's a talent scarcity that is a major blocker to growth, and of course growth mm-hmm. would be for the businesses not for right. marketing specifically um right. you know and and almost half said you know 40 percent said this is the worst ever crisis so i again that's what kind of oh. opened up the eyes right. and you know they're um you know calling for you know lack of adequate uh talent you know so people mm-hmm. are moving to other um, other lines of work, uh, and then this was set in the United States. It was like seventy four percent said that there's just lack of talent. People are, and you know the the um, certainly the pandemic, and you know people have having to change styles of work. Mm. You know, or and people having an opportunity to kind of rethink. Well, what I'm doing? Do I feel like I'm doing something that is fulfilling, mm. or you know, I'm got a career in this, and so that gives people. A, you know, uh, an impetus, a crisis point at which to say, mm, yeah. I might go do something else. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah. Well, I, I mean, it's been described as a great resignation, hasn't it? But it isn't really, is it? It's a great move. And yes. some people are leaving the workforce altogether, right? Yeah. And I should have pointed out, actually, the article that we're referring to is from the medialeader.com. Yes. And it's called Poor Training, No Purpose, Why <laughs> Martin <laughs> Faces the Worst Ever Talent Crisis. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, full of the joys of, uh, of the industry there. Yeah, yeah and, I, and, and I think and, I saw it in, on LinkedIn, and that's, and that's yeah. like, oh, we've got to check this yeah. out. And then we uh, said, we got to yeah. talk about this. We got to, this nice, is important. Yeah. We have to talk about this. But yeah, despite the kind of link bait, I guess, title, it's actually true. Though, yeah, we, everybody yeah. is. Well, anybody fortu- who's trying to hire right now yeah. is, is struggling. Fortunately, it had data behind it, so it wasn't just uh, fluff. Um, <laughs> so, but there was a there was a quote, um, mm-hmm. at least in the article, from somebody at Media Sense, Ryan yeah. Kengeser. Uh, mm-hmm. Said the study comes at an important time in the industry with businesses experienced level of staff attrition, as you said, as never before. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we are first and foremost a people centric business. I mean, marketing certainly is. So it's like, mm-hmm. you know, just kind of like, you know, as he says, riding the wave is no longer a viable strategy. I mean, I think marketing right. was a. You certainly a uh, you know profession that a lot of people wanted to get into for other reasons. You know, we certainly mm-hmm. talked about our you know, our paths into marketing. A lot of people yeah. come from different disciplines. You know, if you got good communication yeah. skills or, you know, you know a lot about the product and the industry within the, the business you're in and then they move you into marketing. So you can leverage yeah. that. And, uh, you know, if we don't find it a very fulfilling place to be, we'll go do something else. 
Yeah, yeah. So um, do you think it's a particular issue in marketing and, and, and why is that? I mean, I know that, you know, if, if, you're, if you're in a business right now, trying to hire is, is difficult, despite the fact that I'm, I'm reading about um, layoffs in, in various large organisations like Oracle. It's still very hard to hire marketing talent. So why is that? Well, there were there were uh, in the study in the article, which we'll have a link to. The, I mean, there are a number of reasons. Um, the three that that popped out to me, and I certainly identified with, were one was poor training and talent management. So it's just like mm-hmm. you know, marketing just does not spend money on talent management. Um, right. And I know of my personal experience is that, and I think you're in the same boat. I mean, I've developed a lot of sales training classes, mm-hmm. some of it on messaging and things that are you know, are part of marketing's job. Some of it was just pure sales training, you know, and it's like, yeah, so yeah, wh- how did, yeah. why was I involved in so much sales training? And yet when it yeah. came to marketing and looking at our budget yeah. and saying, we should put money towards training, that always like got pushed mm-hmm. off to, well, you know, we'll sign people up for seminars or, you know, yeah. we'll get them a license to a professional, yeah. you know, organization and be done with it. Um, yeah. So I think that's, that's definitely a big one. Um, yeah. And uh, and one that I think actually uh, is a corollary to that is over specialization. So you know, people come into market. You know, you're a writer, you're a web guy, you're a you know, you're 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 running the email marketing automation platform. You're you're the ops person. You know, you're doing PR, and and so you know, there's no concept of developing kind of what a well-rounded marketer looks like and needs mm-hmm. to needs to understand mm-hmm. so it's like if i get to the head of you know pr for a corporate mm-hmm. uh, you know corporate organization it's like well i can go to a bigger organization to do pr i could go off to an agency but usually people go from agencies to corporate so do mm-hmm. i get to a point where you know i really haven't learned enough to be the cmo yeah and i've been pigeonholed you know and, yeah, and people yeah. look at my resume and say, "Ooh, yeah, you know, PR, PR, PR. Okay, yeah, yeah. so you must be a PR person, right?" <laughs> it's yeah, like, yeah. "Well, I want to be more." Uh, yeah. I was fortunate enough that I kind of I started to like marketing communications and kind of moved into, you know, a little bit of events. Then I moved into yeah. product marketing, and then I moved kind of yeah. back. You know, so I ended up in my career ended up moving around to a def- a number of different spots. So that as I got mm. to be more at the executive level, it's like I had a breadth of experience. Um, so that, that got me past that over specialization. Yeah. I think this is an interesting point actually, because, um, currently I'm the CMO of a group of companies. And so what I, what I want to do is to bring the people together so that we can create specialism so that people can, can find their, because marketing is such a lovely broad church and it. you can be, if content marketing is your passion or PR is your passion, you can explore those. But I think this is an interesting counterpoint, which is that then you might be defining yourself as one thing for the rest of your marketing career, which is right. a problem. But also that, um, you know, I think experience in a smaller business is probably the best. I, actually, well, this is just reasons, isn't it? We should be getting on to how we yeah, solve yeah. the problem in the future. But I, I think it's really interesting when, because, you know, I've done some consulting re- over the last few years. And sometimes it's really exciting to be working with a smaller business because you're doing everything. Yeah. Right? So you're not doing that over specialism. Yeah. All right. So we got there that you were saying the reasons and these, this well, came out in the report, right? Yeah. It's, there's one other reason I think that's worth mm-hmm. uh, yeah. pulling out and it was lack of purpose. Right. Which I think shows the importance of uh, 
the marketing leaders focusing on building good strategy and plan and planning yeah. and, and then implementing yeah. planning because if I don't understand, so let's say I'm, you know, I'm running digital, you know, marketing yeah. and I, and maybe I'm, yeah. you know, on the website of that. And so if I don't understand what my role is in the yeah. broader scope of what marketing is kind of do, then, then I may yeah. not only, I don't, I don't under I can't put what I'm doing in perspective, but when I try to see how I'm going to grow in my career, I can't start yeah. thinking about, well, you know, now that I've mastered, you know, this aspect of digital marketing, I can go on to other aspects of digital or I can yeah. branch out to, you know, some other part of the org, you know, and I think that's yeah. the that's the talent management problem is like how do I get yeah. from my the role that I'm passionate about today to what I might be yeah. passionate about, uh, you know, 5 yeah. years from now. Yeah, yeah. And and the, the stats are quite big, aren't they? That poor training and talent management, 76% of people said about that. Yeah. And this lack of purpose, 68%. 68%. Do you think that's a lack of purpose for the marketing team in general? Because we've talked about this quite a lot where, you know, as a marketer, you're kind of on this sort of um, hamster wheel of doing stuff. Yeah. But, it's un- but the marketing team have somehow got disconnected with the purpose of the business, i.e. growth, revenue, those kinds of things. And the further get, uh, further down, I guess you are in the marketing organization, the more the, the further, further away you are from the purpose. From, no. from that, yeah, is that? Do you think that's a- that's the absolutely key there, because yeah. I think that yeah. the you know so as, as we've said before, it's like you know your your planning is based on yeah. what your marketing strategy is. Your marketing strategy yeah. is based on the role marketing has in the business yeah. strategy. So, so everybody in an organization really should understand you know, those, those three levels yeah. and what their, what their role is in that. Um, yeah. I mean, it's just, you know, it's kind of like, it's, you know, it's like if you're a foot soldier in an army and it's like, you mm-hmm. want to know why, so why are we, Yeah, I don't know, you know yeah. why are we trying to boot the Russians out? I, I don't remember. <laughs> you know, <Yeah. laughs> sorry, if, yeah. sorry if I offended no, any yeah, Russians. No, I, I, I understand <laughs> that. So, um, so, I mean, I touched on it a little bit there and I, I, I was a bit naughty because I was because we, really we were expressing the, the problem and the reasons for the problem. But what is it that we can actually do about that as marketing leaders? Well, I think I mean, I think this is, um, you know, it's like I mean, you, you almost take any of the items we said and say, OK, well, now mm-hmm. it's time to actually do something about that. So let's yeah. Let's invest more in in talent management, and I, mm-hmm. and and again, it's thinking back through my career, and it's like, you know, there were probably some times when the head of marketing was working with HR to you know put together some sort of talent management program, but there was never any budget associated with that, and there was never, I mean, there may have been some rigor put to it, but it, you know, but a lot of it just you know it fell, frankly, yeah. just fell flat. So, yeah. so I think one is investing budget, and as I was kind of thinking about that from a from a budget standpoint, is that yeah. you know when I was at uh, Forrester Series Decisions, I mean we used to do budget benchmarks for clients all the time, and it's like you know yeah. usually like forty five percent of your budget of the total marketing budget is spent on staff, forty five percent spent on programs, and then kind of five percent each for outsourcing services and technology. Mm-hmm. And and that's that's wicked general, and obviously the size of the yeah. organization, the industry, and those those yeah. vary. But it's like so. Gosh, we're spending almost half of our money on the staff, and if we're not going to mm-hmm. spend money on actually making sure that they are uh, yeah. getting the education we want uh, yeah. or, or that they need to help correct for this problem, yeah. then that's really 
very short-sighted. Yeah. So step, step me through what you think is in scope for talent management for a marketing team. So we talked about there about um, development and education, right? So what, what else do we need to invest in here? Is it, is it putting together the sort of HR structures that one needs for your people? I, so I, you know, um, I don't know. We're, we're, uh, I don't want to get into my, my uh, opinions about HR, so I'll, <laughs> I'll just leave that one aside. But, 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 I mean, they certainly can be a, uh, they can be a valuable assistant, but, but mm-hmm. the problem is, is HR doesn't know marketing. Um, yeah. And I mean, yeah. in most cases, HR doesn't really understand much about most of the functions. Yeah. Um, but when you think about, and again, a lot of marketers are exposed to sales enablement because oftentimes we're yeah. creating you know, yeah. uh, content for yeah. that. So if you just think about sales enablement, it's like, okay, you know, you've got salespeople at different levels. You've, they've got a, you've yeah. got some people who are account management, some people who are new business development. Mm. Oh, there's different types of skills for those. There's whether it's sales methodologies, whether it's the process. And, yeah. and, and so, you know, you're, you're, you're looking at the organization and you're saying not only how can we make the whole organization more effective, but how can we make sure people in those roles are effective? And so I think, you know, you just need to provide the same sort of perspective for marketing and say, I need to put some budget to this. And I think, you know, I mean, um, it's, it's, so when I was at Forrest, we never, we never really benchmarked specifically internal marketing education, but I think right. it'd be perfectly reasonable to say, let's put 2% of our budget towards this. You know, so if I have a yeah. $5 million budget, you know, it's $100,000, you know, so if you can, and obviously you can scale that up and down based on, on uh, the organization. But I think marketing almost needs to develop a custom enablement program. Um, mm-hmm. And because I certainly, in my experience, I never saw anything out there that was really all that good mm-hmm. that was like, if I want to pull together um, and train my entire staff on some fundamentals, so they kind of understand yeah. everything, then it, in the context of while they're doing their their work, then then I think I may need to pull that together myself. Because also I may understand, you know, where uh, like if I'm a new CMO, I may understand where the weaknesses are in the marketing team versus mm-hmm. the strengths. Um, yeah. Certainly, doing some sort of um, gap analysis on that could help yeah. inform what that enablement program is. But you know, yeah. frankly, that's why you know we put together in the podcast we did earlier this year on the five mm. fu- uh, effing fundamentals of marketing because there are, <laughs> yeah. I mean, there are basics. You know, branding, market research, customer lifecycle operations, yeah. you know, story. T- those are just like real basics that yeah. aren't really basics that come out of textbooks um mm. there you know there there are things that that uh, i you know i think that at least from our experience was that everyone should know about these things because they yeah. it, it puts you in but, the world of how marketing a marketing yeah. function should operate but you're saying as leads i mean so i guess some of that stuff you can get the theory can't you from some some mm-hmm. marketing books but but what i think what i'm hearing you say is that maybe those five fundamentals are going to be nuanced in your organization so there and and some work is already going to be done so i think also part of the education of marketers isn't it is like is is just going through the discovery that you've already done like so there's the the say say like we were talking about the fundamentals we're talking about storytelling well who are we telling the story to what is it they need you know so 
it's doing that persona work and all that planning, isn't it? And then drilling that into the entire marketing team Ab- all the way down. Absolutely, because right? you know, you, yeah. I mean, you, you, I mean, you think about your typical marketing strategy yeah. and planning sessions. You're going to kind of cover yeah. what you're doing, you know, yeah. right ahead over yeah. the next quarter, year, or whatever. But it's like, gosh, there there are so many things that it's like. Let's let everybody in the marketing department know who our buyers are and yeah. what you know what their personas are like, what their journeys are like, you know, yeah. what do they read, what do they, you know, where they get their information and yeah. and it's like wouldn't wouldn't everybody whether you're in PR, you're in digital or you're in operations love to know yeah. that. And so that, you know, again, you're taking those five fundamentals and kind of applying it yeah. to your business and saying let's fill in let's Talk about some basics, but let's really fill in the gaps like, you know, and our brand, you know, what's our brand awareness? What's our preference? You know, uh, what's our perception of the company? Those are the three key things to understand about the brand. Well, okay, where are we on those on those graphs? And, you know, what are we thinking of doing to actually improve? Why is it important that we all talk, you know, consistently about our brand and then, yeah. you know, then the web developers not going off and putting up web pages that are like totally, <laughs> <laughs> totally against yeah. the brand. <laughs> so, so we get, so the advice here is to develop these customer name programs probably based on best practice and the five effing marketing fundamentals, right? But I also find that um, from my experience, like the, the way that I met Robert, who's on the show, is uh, I don't know how many years ago, quite a long time ago. Um, we were introducing content marketing into uh, the marketing group that I ran uh, when we worked together and I was at SDR. And um, it's, all, it's great to get somebody external in, isn't it, to help with these things, right? Th- and it gets, it, gets the, it gets people thinking. I think that that is, um, I mean, it's important to bring somebody in internally, unless you have a, yeah. somebody whose job is enablement. Actually, yeah. there was a company, when I worked at Kronos, we had a very strong enablement team that would do enablement yeah. in a variety of areas. They Mostly sales, yeah. but yeah. but that's, that is a rarity. And so oftentimes, you know, bringing somebody in from the outside is they're, they're the third party. They're, mm-hmm. they're not somebody who other people report to. <laughs> so you get rid of some of the personal, yeah. you know, dynamic yeah, issues. Yeah. And, and as long as they can help you develop that education, uh, yeah. again, accustomed to what you feel that you need, and then they yeah. deliver it, whether it's, you know, online, in, you know, sessions, yeah, you know, yeah. live sessions, whatever it is. Um, I think that's, that's the way to, uh, the way to execute yeah, on cool. this. And I think this is a, this is a, you know, kind of coming up with that program is a topic that we should come back to in the yeah, future. Absolutely. absolutely. And uh, I know, Jeff, that you've done that sort of work yourself. So yeah. I think you're well experienced. Should anybody want to do something like this, maybe, maybe give give Jeff a shout. Yes. All right. So, um, so that's excellent. So we've got we we've gone through this, uh, that report. I'll include a link to it in the show notes and some of the reasons why and and what it is we need to do about this um, talent dearth of talent we have in marketing right now. Dearth. Um, and the last agenda item, obviously, is you need to select a song, Jeff. What have we got this week? That is true. Um, and um, the song. This is. Is, you know, it's like when you're looking for songs, particularly rock, yeah. since we're rock star CMO, that have yeah. to deal with education. It's really, it's really pathetic because it's like you know we don't need <laughs> no education. All the crap <laughs> I learned in high school. Okay, I'm glad that you got a couple of hits and you're making money. But you know, yeah. when you're 60 or 50 and you're we got to need a new career, <laughs> maybe I needed some education. And so, 
Hall and Oates actually in 1983 they realized that um, uh, that that was a an issue, and they yes. had a song called "Adult Education." You know, right. the student body has got a bad reputation, so what they need is an adult education. So I think that's wow. um, cool. That's what we need, well, and and so um, I also I, I, in the process of writing up a blog, which we'll yeah. post with this. Which will go through some of the things we've just been talking about in a little bit more detail on the report. Splendid, it's good. Well, I'll include all of those, all the links in the show notes the, to the report, to your blog post, which I know will go live by the time this goes out, <laughs> and, and also a link to Hall of Notes Adult Education, which I'll play out with from 1983. And will I find you in the Rockstar CMO I'll, studio next? I'll week? be back in the studio next week. Splendid. I'll see you then. Thanks, Jeff. Thank you. Thank you, Jeff, and we continue to be firmly stuck in the 80s groove there with some Hall and & Oates and adult education from 1983. I can't say I was that familiar with that one. But anyway, you can read more of Jeff's thoughts on this topic on rockstarcmo.com. Just click on Street Knowledge, and if you have any thoughts on what we discuss or even the music, you can contact us through the website. And, of course, I'll include all the links in the show notes. Right. Time to go backstage with my guest. Caitlin Sorensen is a busy woman. She is the president of B2B Social at Traject and CEO of social media platforms Loomly and Sendable, managing international teams, having recently relocated to the UK. As you'll hear, Caitlin's had a splendid career spanning sales and marketing, quickly working through the ranks to director of demand generation for Fearsync, a global leadership development and training company, before joining Traject to lead sales and marketing. Caitlin studied psychology and graduated with a cum laude from Whitman College. On the topic of education, as we just were, psychology has got to be a great background for any marketer. Hope you enjoy this conversation. I certainly do. Welcome, Caitlin, to Rockstar CMO FM. How are you? Doing well, Ian. Excited to be here. Splendid, splendid. So, Caitlin, for people that don't know you, tell us a little bit about yourself. I am Caitlin Sorensen, soon to be McKay, actually. Um, I got married in 2020, but uh, haven't gone around to change my name officially yet. <laughs> right. Um, and I am the president of B2B Social at Traject. Uh, also, mm-hmm. that means that I am the CEO of both Loomly and Sendable, social media yeah. management brands. And I, I love social media. I love marketing and really excited yeah. to talk about it with you. Yeah, cool. Well, we'll dig a bit into your past in a moment, but I am curious about that. So, so um, I mean, normally I interview senior marketers and CMOs, and that, I don't think I've ever interviewed a two-time CEO before. So, I think <laughs> you must be the busiest guest I've ever had on the show. So, you, so you're the CEO of both of those companies. Tell us a bit about what Loomly and Sendable do. Yeah, part of what makes that work is that they do very similar core functions. So, mm. they're both social media management solutions, helping yeah. marketers and agencies manage social media across all of their different channels right. and platforms. 
They um, help provide a platform agnostic workflow so that you are able to plan, schedule, um, manage, and measure your social media efforts. Right. They What makes them kind of different is they have slightly different workflows that work for slightly right. different customers. So right. Sendable is a little bit more focused on agencies. Loomly is a little bit more focused on internal marketing teams for brands. Right, right, right. So they both basically help you um, automate your social media presence and and how you publish content to social. Is that correct? Yeah, we we try to stay away from the word automation because wow, cool, love it. It's still very um, important for the the content Mm -hmm. to be authentic, for it to be. Uh, unique and and yeah. you want to make sure that you're you're building and engaging with your audience in the right way. Uh, but we yeah. do streamline that process. <laughs> I love it because I think that I mean we're going to talk about the Rockstar CMO swimming pool in a moment. I think the automation has been chucked in a few times, so I, I apologize for using that word. But basically, helps you orchestrate. Is that the right word? Your yes. social media presence. But and is it mainly um, you know larger organizations, B two B, B two C, or what, what's your main you know kind of customer base? Uh, my the the Loomly and Sendable customers are by and large B2B. So yeah. everything, uh, and a lot of that is actually B2B2B in <laughs> right. agencies who serve businesses. Right. Um, so everything from uh, travel, airplanes, mm-hmm. um, airlines is the word that I was right. looking for, and yeah. to fitness studios and everything in between. Cool, cool. So, okay, okay. So, so it's mainly an agency solution. That sounds interesting. Okay, so, so that's a little bit about Loomly and Sendable, and also the fact you've got these two CEO roles, which is interesting. We'll dive into that in a bit. Um, and also, uh, while I was, I mean, it is my job to stalk you a little bit before we have a conversation. Uh, I call it research. Um, and you swapped the the drizzle of Seattle, as we can tell from your accent. You're not from around these parts, uh, for the drizzle of London. Uh, which was my joke because I, I love both cities. They're both great cities, but you you feel at home when you're there when you're in Seattle because it's it's drizzling and raining, and people say, "No, this isn't rain." And you also get the same in London, right? So, um, how are you finding the movie? Enjoying London? I am. I, I love London. My mm-hmm. my wife fell in love with it a lot faster than I did. Wow. Um, I, I struggled a bit at the beginning, but I I really yeah. love it now. There's unending things to do. And yeah. I don't know what you're talking about with this drizzle. It's really <laughs> hot. <laughs> it is. It is. I, and my joke really doesn't work in, in July when we're in the middle of a heat wave, does yeah. it? <laughs> no, yeah, definitely not. Um, so you're probably missing the drizzle of Seattle as we all are right now. <laughs> yeah, we, I was when it was uh, 34 degrees, 34 yeah. degrees, 40 yeah. degrees a couple yeah. weeks ago. It was. Yeah. in the like or high or low 30s high 20s in seattle yeah yeah. still working well, out my celsius well yeah i mean i like um you're obviously a friend of the show because you're obsessed with weather as much as we are so that's fantastic um was it the job that brought you or is it decided just to, to come over yeah yeah sendable yeah. has been headquartered in london for the last mm-hmm. 13 years so yeah, came over here yeah. to get closer to that team um, yeah. I do straddle time zones now, but I much prefer this direction than when I was trying to run Sendable <laughs> from Seattle. Uh, I'm, with, I'm with you. I've, I once, 
I was once running a team where I had West Coast, East Coast and uh, Central Europe, Amsterdam. And it was much easier once I'd moved to New York than when I was trying to do it from London, right? So it's like, yeah. And then uh, I don't, I mean, people who are on the West Coast seem to uh, not need to sleep because they, they don't mind getting up at seven in the morning doing a meeting. I'm not that guy. <laughs> I can do, I can do seven, but I was doing 4 a.m. and that was just oh not God. okay. <laughs> and how do you find the business culture here? Is that a lot different from when you were in Seattle? It, it is very different. It's, it's interesting yeah. because it's, it feels very different, but the like mm-hmm. execution of that or like the details of yeah. what is different is yeah. is not very clear. Uh, um, uh, I, somebody told me, I have a, a friend here who also moved from Seattle and she said yeah. that in the US people live to work and mm-hmm. in the UK people work to live. And, mm-hmm. and I think that's close i i don't think it exactly hits the nail on the head but i i think i think it's we're we're a funny in between because i think when you go into mainland europe there's a much different work culture and the u.s obviously has a different work culture and i think we're somewhere in the middle yes anyway that's enough (laughs) for me talking about one of my favorite cities on the planet which is london and obviously one of my second favorite which is seattle let's just say that (laughs) um but, but you've had a great career and you've been in both sales and marketing which is what i found fascinating when we got introduced so from if we rewind the clock to when you first took that first marketing role, what inspired you to, to do marketing? Yeah, I, I mean, to be totally honest, it was uh-huh. that I wanted to advance. I yeah. was doing account management and admin mm-hmm. work, and I sort of hit the ceiling in that mm-hmm. role. And so there was an opening on the marketing team, and I thought I could yeah. do a good job. Uh, yeah. I love targets and metrics and goals and there was a quota so I got I got really excited about how I could could beat everyone (laughs) yeah yeah I like that so so um that's an interesting motivation to get into marketing because I don't think that's everybody's path but it was the and I think that a lot of marketers had to learn that discipline haven't they of of Mm. goals and um and aligning their work with um revenue and and that and and those kinds of numbers so that came quite naturally to you by the sounds of things yeah yeah i mean i i think my my mom was in sales like i think mm-hmm. there was kind of that like achievement and number based like my personal goals for myself were how many pages of books or numbers of books could i read per year um so that's definitely a a part of kind of my dna but right there is a lot of other metrics you have to pay attention to in marketing that that i definitely had to learn yeah and how did you find the adjustment from sales into marketing when when you first did that role uh i i really liked it i think the uh, I had a, a taste of sales. So I was I was more like a sales admin, so helping kind of mm. post sale. And mm. I really liked the talking to people. I really liked kind of helping people solve their problems and find solutions. Yeah. And I think that's yeah. a lot of what I loved about marketing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So and you find that tra- that's the transition you made. So from when you're in sales, you're dealing directly with customers solving their problems. And then in marketing, you're like, trying to turn that into content that you can share more broadly, right? Is that? Yeah, 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 definitely. I, yeah. I did. I managed the lead generation team. And, and so there was yeah. still some talking to people, but it was oh, that like, yeah. orienting the information to that, like, yeah. why? Yeah, um, yeah. That- 
side of things. That's quite a good path, isn't it? Because I think when you're doing demand generation and you're connected to like a BD team or the sales team, as a marketer, you, you're dealing with the very people. I mean, the thing we talk about a lot on this show is like you can sit in a, in a hotel conference room as a bunch of marketers and come up with all these mealy words that you think everybody should say. But when you're an actual BD or a sales guy and you've got to stand up and say those things, well, you know, it, the rubber hits the road and it's really important to get that feedback, isn't it, of what really works with, with the customer. So that's interesting. So if, if we then move a little bit more, more forward where you've run both of these teams and before you became the CEO of half a dozen companies at the same time, <laughs> um, what, was the, um, what do you think is the key to that relationship between sales and marketing? I, I've always been really focused on that kind of bridge between yeah. the two. Um, and at the, at its core, I think it's about respecting each other and then also mm -hmm. being really clear on what you're trying to accomplish together. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think there's a lot of like really healthy tension that can come from sales, asking marketing for more leads, marketing, mm -hmm. telling sales, they're not working them hard enough. Um, <laughs> yeah. and yeah. kind of, building up that that feedback loop um mm. but if you at at its core if you're working together and understanding that you cannot succeed without the other one yeah. um yeah. i was just having a conversation with my vp of growth today about how yeah. inextric inextricably those two things are are linked yeah. and yeah. if as long as you avoid the blame game and um yeah are actually like trying to work together, I think it can be really successful. Yeah. So in, in your structure that you have now, now you've moved up to CEO, do you have separate sales and marketing teams underneath you or have you combined those under a CRO or a VP of both? Um, I have a, a VP of growth. Um, mm -hmm. So they, they are still combined, at least for Sendable. Um, there mm -hmm. are below him, there's a sales team and a marketing team, um, yeah. which is is how I ran the two teams as well as like I yeah. was that kind of bridge with the yeah. two teams staying focused in, in what right. they needed to do most. Um, and then on the Loomly side, we don't have a, a sales team per se. We have mm -hmm. a, a marketing team and then a customer success team that, that does yeah. uh, some of the sales. Right, right. So f on that sendable side and your, your background, then do you think that's important that marketing and sales report into that same role? I mean, because that's what we've seen the rise of, right? So rather than having CMOs, a lot of organizations are having like a VP of growth or a CRO and then so sort of a, a, a marketing director beneath them or more junior, more junior than a CMO role. Is that so is, is that what you've seen there or what, what you've done, really? Yeah, I I inherited this structure. Um, I think it can yeah. really work. I've, d I've thought a lot about org structure. Um, yeah. Lived through several different versions <laughs> of them. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I think like the alignment is mm -hmm. the most important thing. I don't know. The structure can create the alignment or yeah. you can have both teams reporting into one leader that isn't doesn't do a good job of aligning them mm -hmm. and it mm -hmm. falls apart that way, too. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. so when so when uh, we're talking about alignment, if we go back to what makes a great relationship and I suspect I might know the answer from what you've been talking about. Is it the goals, the metrics and all that stuff so that you are all signed up to those same things? Is, is that what you'd say is a secret? I do think that the goals and the metrics are important. Mm -hmm. um, and I think like with KPIs, they can still mm -hmm. get pretty 
varied. Like the sales team yeah. is looking at close rates and yeah. demo rates and um, all of that. And the marketing team yeah. is focused on trials. And if they're not still not coming together and looking at mm. like overall, how is this yeah. function yeah. driving growth for the business, yeah. then yeah. it's still going to fail even if you have the metrics dialed perfectly. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think it's a balance. Um, I also think the 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 focus and the like supporting each other part of it mm. is really important mm. um like i said you you can't have sales without marketing and you can't have well you can't have marketing, you can't without, afford sales. marketing <laughs> without sales right <laughs> <laughs> so they so tightly aligned and and that alignment comes uh, so we just discussed the goal what what other what what else do you do to try i mean especially when you ran both teams is it's just is there anything else that you you like to do with with both teams? Is just like, or you just consider them one one team, and that and it's the way you work from a social perspective as much as from the metrics and stuff. I I tried having it be kind of one big team that yeah, all yeah. was in the same meeting, and it ended yeah. up not being the best use of everyone's time to like get into <laughs> yeah, the nitty yeah. gritty details of, of yeah. both. Um, yeah. I think some overlap is important, and and now like marketing members attend the sales meetings and vice versa. Um, But it's, I I think it's about having really strong communication, building Mm -hmm. really clear processes, and then um, creating that feedback loop so that they're listening to each other and learning from Mm -hmm. each other. Um, Mm -hmm. There's a little bit of that tension and ultimately the process kind of makes it work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I imagine if, if you've christened that person at the top as head of growth, it makes it very clear what everybody needs to be focused on, right? Which is growth. Yes. Which I think yes. which I think sometimes, weirdly enough, gets forgotten in some corners of marketing because that's I think what everybody needs to be focused on, isn't it? What is what is the core objective of, yeah. of the organization? It's normally growth, isn't it? Or or, or keeping customers is one of the two. Yeah, we, we talk about it as revenue and then driving customer value. So it's, yeah. I think that part is also gets forgotten a lot is yeah. it's sometimes people get too focused on the, the numbers and aren't That's thinking true. about how can we actually support people and, and really solve yeah. their problems. Yeah. That customer marketing part of it and keeping people on board. Yeah. Especially in a SaaS business, right? You've got to yes. keep those people engaged. Yeah. So, so that was your, um, so that's excellent. So we talked about how you've got inspired into marketing and how sales and marketing work together under your organization and some of the hints and tips there. Um, but I think you might be the, well, you're definitely the first CEO I've spoken to on this show that's made that move from marketing to becoming a CEO. And, um, so, and it's, and it, and I've heard a lot of discussion about it. It's a, it's a rare path. It's hard for marketers to become CEOs. It's not often the CMO becomes a CEO. It's usually the head of sales, the head of operations or something like that. So what's your advice there if a marketer is in, during their career and they're thinking, I want the top job one day, what, what would you recommend? Yeah, I. it's interesting that, that you haven't heard that that path very much because my my CEO, my boss, has a marketing <laughs> background. You're going to prove me completely wrong. Right? <laughs> my um, <laughs> similar person at Planoly, she was, has a marketing background. So um, <laughs> I actually think that I think marketers are poised to mm-hmm. really do a great job. I think yeah. that we have to interact with all of the different departments. We lead yeah. a lot of cross 
um, departmental projects. We have like a huge responsibility of growing the business. We can like point to exact metrics of why we were the ones that had that impact. Um, And the other thing I, I did a little bit of Googling before this, but marketing is one of the top um, positions that are departments that has the highest turnover. And I think that that really helps in a leadership role because you get really good at hiring, development, coaching, firing. Um, And that's really important in a leadership position. That's true. That's a really interesting perspective because the, the way I'd seen it or heard it, was that really because the CMO has such a short tenure and also mm. the marketing marketing isn't taken as seriously as a commercial entity within organizations. Mm-hmm. So it tends to be that the more hard-hitting, uh, numbers-oriented, commercial-oriented uh, VP of sales is more likely to mm. m- make that leap. But I, I think from talking to you, it sounds like you had that mindset already, right? So you were already looking at the the numbers and the metrics. And I think that's what you you need to do. You need to have that good conversation with CFO, right? Yeah, definitely. And yeah, and I, I yeah. think like, as far as advice, my, my biggest advice to anyone who wants to advance <laughs> in their career is to yeah. have really aggressive targets and crush them. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> um, be able to really tell that story and communicate yeah. that you are crushing them. Um, mm. volunteering for visible and, and really important projects, also crushing yeah. them. And then yeah. telling the person who you report to, who you work with, like making sure that everyone knows what you want. Um, yeah. Because yeah. if you say like, hey, I, I want to be the CEO, how do I get there? Yeah. And then you prove yeah. time and time again that you can yeah, yeah. crush it. Yeah. They'd be yeah. stupid to turn you down. <laughs> yeah, I'm, remind, I'm reminded here because um, I have a regular guest, Robert Rose, who's on the show. Um, and he used a quote I think he got from an old boss, which is that it's not what it's not what you do. It's what people think you do. Right? So <laughs> you, you need to be the weird thing about us marketers is we need to be marketing, marketing. Right. We need to be oh, making yeah. it very clear that all this crushing it. And I'm waving my fingers up in the air. Uh, all this crushing it is happening, right? So oh, that's, that's fantastic. Thank you very much for your insight there, Caitlin. I'm going to move to our final com- final question. We have a regular feature on Rockstar CMO called the Rockstar CMO Swim Pool, our portal to marketing health, for all the overhyped trends, BS and snake oil from this marketing industry we love. What would you like to see chucked into our swim pool? Well, I, I know a lot of people say the metaverse and, and I think that that's a, it's a hard one to ignore, but I did think pretty hard about what, what could be a unique, um, mm-hmm. a, a unique idea. And the thing that I would probably toss in, and, and maybe it's a little bit past its prime anyways, but is voice search. Um, <laughs> it, that's supposed to be the next big thing i know <laughs> and, <dead> on arrival <laughs> well so is the metaverse really right yeah that's true <laughs> um i i think voice search has its place in the car mm-hmm. in the kitchen um yeah. but as far as like impact and like advertising and how yeah. you're getting in front of people i just i don't think that uh, it's gonna going to be the 
the thing that <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because I used it I used voice search as an example for why I think branding is going to be really important because I think <laughs> when you're doing voice search you're going to need to ask for brands and so so Nike is going to want you to ask for Nike sneakers not just sneakers but I think I think it's really interesting because you, it's one of those things that people have been talking about for so long and it hasn't quite caught right yeah and so how long do you leave it for before the next big thing is not going to be the next big thing I think that's perfect <laughs> I feel like we're going to jump past past voice and it's going to be a video search and image search yeah. and, and all of yeah. that. Um, yeah. Well, it'll just know what we need and just bring it to that. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> I mean, we're getting right, there Caitlin. with those reminder buttons. <laughs> That's absolutely true. All right. Well, thank you very much, Caitlin. And when people spin the dial on the interwebs and they want to want to speak to you, where are they going to find you? Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn. You can reach out at sendable.com or loomly.com. And I'm excited to hear from you. Uh, great conversation. Thank you very much for your time. I will, of course, include all those links in the show notes. And I look forward to speaking to you again. Wonderful. Thanks. Thank you, Caitlin. Some great advice there. Clearly, there is no hack to just working hard, crushing it, being visible. And as for chucking the hype around voice search into the pool, that's just splendid. Let me know what you think and please reach out to Caitlin and say hello if any of that resonated with you. Right, it's Friday evening. Time to wind down in the Rockstar CMO virtual bar where we'll find my friend and content marketing guru, Robert Rose, chief troublemaker at the content advisory for a cocktail and a marketing thought. Good evening, Robert. What are you drinking? Oh, hello, my friend, and welcome to the bar. It is uh, it is good to see you here. Um, it is a great, it is an end of the week. Is it still blistering hot um, where you it's are? It's reasonably warm. No, we're we're now dry, so which we aren't often dry. But uh, so the the weather is fairly temperate, com- especially compared to where you are. All right, but we're we're having a very serious dry spell. Oh, ah, so well, the, okay. The well, let's let's, and, let's remedy yeah. that then, um, because <laughs> you know if there's something about Southern California that is true is the serious dry spell. Um, yes, and so the cocktail that we have tonight. So it was either last show or the show before I forget that we talked about ranch water. Um, yes. And the wonderful drink that it is. And so because it has been so dry and because it has been um, so, uh, you know, similar in heat here in, in, uh, yes. in, you know, as we begin the month of August here in Southern California, I thought for the virtual bar this week, we would bring in um, it, it's actually there's lots of puns here, I suppose. It's a sparkling <laughs> rosé cocktail. Um, and so read into that with what you want. But it's really quite a simple cocktail. It starts with tequila, uh-huh. of course. Uh, and it is very similar to the ranch <laughs> water that we had before. But there is a little bit of a difference here, which is uh-huh. so this is normally the time of year when we do a lot of barbecuing. Um, Mm -hmm. and so it starts with tequila, of course, and then we add a little bit of lime juice and then we add the sparkling mineral water, which if listeners may remember, we, the requirement of, of ranch water was this, uh, specific, uh, sparkling water called Topo Chico, 
which That's is it. a Mexican uh, mineral water, and it's got a lot of mineralities to it, so it's got a specific taste to it. We would recommend the Topo Chico again here for your sparkling water. Mm-hmm. And then the sort of piece de resistance, as it were, is to when we do barbecuing we grill um here anyway i have always grown up with grilling peaches because it is peach season and so we grill half peaches and so if you muddle these half grilled uh peaches you get this Mm -hmm. love and then you put that into the drink you get this lovely smoky sweet taste uh to go along with the lime and the tequila and everything and it's just a spectacular cocktail That sounds delicious. Well, I shall again attempt to make uh, your cocktail using just the ingredients of my desktop bar. Um, So I'm going to start off with, I think what we have agreed on several shows is the most, is it, is it a light tequila you're putting in there? It is a reposado typically with uh, what I'm using here because it's just a little lighter than the Anejo and doesn't have quite the strong... Um, sort right. of barrel taste of the aged Anejo. So I'm, I'm nice. using a Reposado, but you could definitely use a silver or Blanco tequila if you prefer. Right. So can you use Hendrix gin? <laughs> well, that, yes. <laughs> As we've discussed before, the most English of tequilas, yes. Um, you could use Hendrix gin for this, yes. I've opened, I've opened my gin before I've put my, before I put my ice in my glass. I'm assuming we're going to put ice in that, right? A bit of Bit of that lovely Hendrix Reposado gin. <laughs> and then you were muddling some things, weren't you? Some, some of that, that is lovely, correct, uh, yes. Because this is a great barbecue water. drink, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love the name of that water. But I am going to go with, uh, as well, I think we've, we've agreed, is that the lovely people at Fever Tree do my muddling for me. So I'm going to um, use their muddled formula of... And it also includes the most um, English of um, of peaches. Uh, we cu- we call them cucumbers. Ah, yes. And yes, and so the lovely people at Fever Tree have muddled some cucumber into some tonic water. I will say we don't put peaches certain... on sandwiches, uh, but um, <laughs> unlike the English, um... <laughs> I'm going to give this a try. Do we put peaches on sandwiches? No, you put but cucumbers on sandwiches. Yes. Mm. That's true. We do. Good point. This is delicious. It's very refreshing. Yes, and it is. I'm, 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 I'm feeling the dryness disappear. <laughs> I can it's think you would. Fabulous yeah. choice. Mm. And what are we calling that? Uh, we're calling that the sparkling rosé cocktail. I mean, mm, that's it's delicious. Because, and it's obviously the peaches not... that makes it a little, you know, a little bit of a, a hint rose. of smoke and a little bit of a more rosé yeah. type of thing. But yeah, that's that's mm. what I decided to call it. Nice. I'm not getting all of those flavors, but I guess something went wrong in my mix. <laughs> but it may have something I could to drink do with one your of these ingredients. We're not quite sure. <laughs> in any case, I could drink one of these every week. Cheers to you, uh, Robert. Cheers. Thank you very much. And yeah. where are we going to go and drink these? You know, I think um, this. I was thinking about this literally as I was cooking out um, this mm-hmm. last weekend and and barbecuing, and so. I think I'm going to have you over to uh, my house. Um, Lovely, because uh, it, you know, it, like I said, it's dry, but it has cooled a little bit enough that the mm-hmm. evenings here is, you know, th- they always say in the desert that you get the big temperature fluctuations, and this is the yeah. time of year that you really do get it. Sort of, we typically get mm-hmm. it in September, but you know, it seems to be a little earlier this year where 
it's just unbearably hot during the day. But in the evening, around six, seven, eight, uh, it just is gorgeous. Exactly. It's just absolutely yeah. beautiful. The temperature comes down, the ocean breeze comes back. And so we'll sit out yeah. on my backyard and we'll do a little barbecuing and we'll enjoy some of these rosé cocktails. That sounds perfect. That sounds perfect. Uh, yeah, I've been out your way in later than this in in September time, and and you're right. The evenings are just beautiful, and uh, so, I mean, we're around round at your place, and uh, I guess it, it's not going to be long before the conversation strays to marketing. What are we going to be talking about this week? Well, I'm I'm I'm. What's on my mind of late is inspiration. Um, Mm-hmm. And it was interesting because so about a week and a half ago, someone sent me a a long article, a link to a long article, and I was really mm-hmm. struck by it because in it, it was written by a, a content marketing practitioner, and he was really sort of lamenting the whole state of content marketing and thought leadership in the world today, and his primary complaint was really the increasing uselessness of content platforms <laughs> where you might put your content like medium or Twitter mm-hmm. or LinkedIn or even some of the trade publications that you might try and get you know your article on uh, external publication places and because he was pointing to sort of this algorithmically driven content marketing display as yeah. the, the as the culprit here of what was really driving down his inspiration because he mentioned things like you know he goes to a publication or a social media site or like medium or something like that and, and sees like oh six easy steps to solve x problems mm-hmm. and immediately he knows that that's a content marketing article right and he knows yeah. that he be, even if he's interested in the topic he clicks on it he knows at some point somebody's going to try and sell him something and wow and so he's become sort of blunted to this whole idea and a bit cynical about you know where the state of content marketing is uh and wondered aloud in the article that you know the content marketing may be dying as a result of this you know there's just so much you know it's sort of the classic marketers ruin everything right and so mm-hmm. there's so much content marketing going on now that you know you really can't escape it even if you try and go get educated on some of these yeah. platforms and the interesting thing wasn't that because, you know, we can certainly talk about is content marketing dying or not dying and all of that. And that's been going on for years. But the <laughs> the more interesting thing was the sort of tone was his disappointment, his loss of inspiration. Um, and I was really struck by it. And, you know, and, and and it's something that I've sensed a little bit as well with with others in our business, which is there's a lot it's a lot easier to suck the inspiration out of the room right now you know and mm-hmm. and so you know there's this sort of feeling like uh i want to write about this but uh that's been covered a million times you know who am i to yeah. try and write about that or who yeah. are we to try and yeah. cover that because you know it's out there it's so much out there and so you don't you sort of lost your inspiration and it's really got me thinking about inspiration in general because when we think about inspiration, you know, we think about that amazing burst of energy. It comes from this amazing supernatural place. It propels us forward, et cetera, et cetera. You know, we jump in with both feet. You know, we love this. Um, and the interesting thing is, is that when we lose inspiration, what I observe is that we don't lose inspiration. Basically, inspiration loses us. In other <laughs> words, it's different than motivation, right? So, 
We often conflate these ideas of inspiration and motivation, but it's not. They're very different. You know, the word itself is obviously different. The word inspiration means literally breath of the divine. But the most interesting thing to me is, is that when we lose motivation, we lose our confidence in the usefulness of the task that we're performing. But when we lose inspiration, we lose confidence that we are the person to do the task, independent of right. how valuable it is. Right. So we lose basically ourselves. Yeah. And that's what is so, you know, disappointing to me. But here's mm -hmm. the irony of the whole thing. I end up thinking about this. I end up writing about it. I end up, you know, really putting a lot of thought into it. His article actually inspired me. Wow. And and that's what I think is so wonderful is, is that we can often, you know, inspiration can lose us, but then you can find it again. So I went mm -hmm. out and did some research and I basically found that there's a lot of, you know, good thought leadership out there about how to stay inspired. And all of it literally is sort of a circular thing. Like, how do you get inspired? Go get inspired, basically. You know, let inspiration mm -hmm. find you, uh, ostensibly, is the, the best advice. But if we're more open to experiences, in other words, you know, and this last two years have been tough because getting out into the world and actually being open to new experiences has been tough for sure. You know, we've been wrapped up in our own little bedrooms and our own little 16 mm. by 9 video worlds for so long. It's often that we can't, but we can find those experiences in music. We can find them in books. We can find them just being open to external things can help us find that inspiration and then also, whenever you find yourself inspired, whatever it is, do more of that, <laughs> you mm -hmm. know, because that certainly helps you as well. And so I just found it very interesting and valuable that this person's lament um, yes. in, you know, losing the inspiration was actually something that inspired me. Um, yeah. And I reached out to that person, by the way, just as a sort of button to the whole thing and let them know that their article had inspired me. Nice, nice. I like that. Um, but also I liked what you were saying there about the difference between motivation and inspiration, because um, you can be inspired and that once when you get inspiration, you become motivated. Right. But also when people talk about inspiration and particularly in writing, they say that you should be motivated to write and just write, write and write anything. And then inspiration will come. What, what do you think there about that? Those the way those two things work together? Well, certainly they're different. I mean, you know, I don't know about you, but I've been entirely yeah. motivated to do something that I am not inspired at all by, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and, um, you know uh, doing my finances is, is probably yeah. a great example of that. Yes. Um, you know, so the, but here's the, here's the real truth behind it is, is that the difference is really about pushing and allowing. And what I mean mm -hmm. by that is, is that when we're motivated, what we're doing is we're pushing action forward. We are pushing ourselves to actually move through the completion of something that we want to complete. We are motivated yeah. to do it and pushing through. When we're inspired, it's much better because the reason that we're inspired, all we have to do is allow it to happen, allow it yeah. to flow. Yeah. And that's the real difference is the allowing something to happen through you rather than pushing yourself to do something. You know, when you're inspired to work out or you're inspired to write something or you're inspired to go build, you know, a canoe or, you know, you're inspired <laughs> to cook a great meal or, you know, whatever it yeah. is that inspires you, 
you're not pushing yourself at all. All you're doing is allowing things to happen in a way that you know makes you feel mm. great. Mm. Yeah, I like that, and I, I like the use the word flow because that's just on my mind there. That um, you find yourself in those moments, don't you? As particularly when you're writing or something like that, and you find yourself in a moment of flow, and then it's like, oh my god, it's time I needed to cook, or it's time I need to do something else, or I need to get on a meeting, or whatever it is, right? But you're completely lost for an hour or two. Uh, in that, and that's that inspiration, isn't it? When it's yeah, flowing through, it's, it's letting yeah. it find you again, right? I mean, mm-hmm. because it's easy to lose on occasion, and it's not something that you know. The irony is, is that you can't go find it, right? Yeah, you are. You know, the thing about inspiration is, is that it finds you. It you can't yeah. find it. You're yeah. not. You know. So what happens is, is, you just have to make yourself open for it to right. find you, right. and that may come in listening to your favorite inspirational record it may come from just getting outside and letting nature take its course mm-hmm. it may be in spending time with people that you love it may, you know whatever those things are that make you open to experiences in life that's when inspiration can find you and when it finds you then celebrate it yeah. n- notice it prioritize it and let it happen yeah and live in that moment i i also think it's interesting that you were talking about the author faced with that wall of content and feeling that they can't make a contribution. I think that's probably why this podcast is called <laughs> Does the World Need Another Effing Marketing Podcast, right? Because I was conscious of the fact that, you know, I'm creating the effing marketing podcast and there are a million of them. Um, how do you push through that? Well, you you have to recognize just as the irony is the, the, mm-hmm. the fact that this person's post ultimately was nothing other than you know i mean this person really offered no solutions you know what i mean it wasn't like this was some differentiated blog post they were simply bitching about the fact that they you know that that medium and the algorithmic you know their their advice they did have advice uh Mm -hmm. this person which was as content marketers we need to be more thoughtful and we need to be more careful about our but Mm. that's you know that's naive advice ultimately um you know in a world where the algorithms aren't going to, they're not, they're certainly not going away and they're certainly not getting any easier to pierce and the, and the the noise that is only going to get worse. It's not going to get better. So the question is, well, what do you do? And this person had no real advice for it, but without even realizing it, I think they did. They, you know, which Mm -hmm. was just literally doing it and paying attention to the focus and quality of it. Yeah. You may find your audience. So you're right. The world doesn't need another effing marketing podcast, but it <laughs> probably needs this one. Um, and and so it, and, and it won't need it until it does. And that's yeah. the real thing is, is that as yeah. long as we are inspired and focusing on being the best we can be yeah. in producing content, that's all we can do. That's the yeah. only thing you can do. Yeah. You can't find the inspiration for others they have to find it in themselves and they have to find it in your content. And if they do, they do, right? And yeah. if they don't, they don't. And it will be just another effing marketing podcast. <laughs> but that's, you know, that's that's what's the beauty about creating, you know, art. It's the, yeah. the, it's the creation of content is all about is can you find the resonance? And literally, mm-hmm. I mean the word resonance you know, in the vibrations of life, can you find the resonance with an audience? And that's, that's when you, you know, that's when inspiration hits both sides. Yeah, I love it.
and uh, I love the way that I managed to twist that around to be about me. So that's fantastic. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. <laughs> thank you, you very you much. Yeah, thank you very much, Robert. And um, where would one find where you've been inspired and you are writing about it on the web? Well, we're trying to put a little more attention to our little cave drawings on the internet mm -hmm. at uh, contentadvisory.net. I've been getting a little better. It's been, you know, since it's been a mm -hmm. bit of a slower summer, I've been getting a yeah. little bit better about catching up with some of the writing that we've been okay. posting there. Splendid. And when people spin the dial on the interwebs, where are they going to find you? Uh, they will find me on LinkedIn for sure, Twitter, uh, unless the billionaire man-child gets his way. Um, <laughs> and then that's pretty much it these days the, on the social media, on the business side of things. Slendid. And I'll include all your links in the show notes. But most importantly, will you be in the bar next week? Of course I will. I look forward to it. Thank you, mate. Robert, inspiring words about inspiration. Fantastic. So that's a wrap on episode 126 of the Rockstar CMO Effing Marketing Podcast. I've been your host, Ian Truscott. Thanks again to Caitlin, Jeff and Robert for sharing their insight. Please say hello to them. I'll include all their links in the show notes, which you can find on your favourite podcast app or rockstarcmo.com, where you can also find all our previous episodes. But most of all, thank you for dropping a dime into your podcasting jukebox, selecting our track and jiving along with us. So, does the world need another Epping Marketing Podcast? Let us know on the socials. Or please drop a rating or review in your favourite podcast app. Or just keep listening. I'm glad you're here. Next week, Jeff is back in the marketing studio. I go backstage with Joyce Young, head of marketing, Surat Technologies. And as you heard, Robert will be back in the Rockstar CMO virtual bar. Until then, have a great week. Hope you again join us here next week on Rockstar CMO FM. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.